Um, it's honestly a huge honor, privilege, and responsibility uh, to be preaching. So let's pray together uh, that I don't mess it up. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are always with, with us. Thank you that you're with me right now as I preach. Holy Spirit, only you can speak to the, our hearts and our souls. So please do that today. How evident, it, how evident it is right now that I need you, that we need you. Every person here needs you. Lord, thank you for this morning. Amen. So I want to introduce myself a bit more. I am married to the most amazing woman ever. She, I am highly blessed by God, Callie Lukey. Whew. Way out of my lead, everyone, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, and we want to thank you for your support of us uh, in our marriage, um, the ministry things that we're part of, and us as a family. We want to thank you for that. Um, and our family, that's right, we're having a little girl in November, and that's a cutest little, with her little foot. It just gets me every time. I can't handle it. It's just so, so we're super excited about that. Um, but you might be wondering, why, why is this guy preaching? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, well, Pastor Ben is gone, and a few of the other elders uh, are also gone at a, uh, a church leadership conference. So be, be praying for them, um, that there'll be unity amongst the elders and direction um, for our church. And so I wanted to give a quick recap of, of our series in Genesis that Ben has been going through. We have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, and they've just messed up a lot. There's lack of character, there's faithlessness, and pride. And sometimes we hear them as, as heroes of the faith, but rather their faithlessness is very evident in the text. But ex that only exemplifies God's faithfulness. And so Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob had 12 sons. Joseph uh, was the second to the youngest son, but he was also the favorite of his father. And in chapter 37 of Genesis, we see Joseph had a dream. There were 12 sheaves of grain in the field. And these sheaves were representing 12 brothers. And Joseph's sheave rose above the rest, and the other 11 came and bowed down. Joseph had another similar dream, and then he decided to tell his brothers these dreams. And it didn't take too long for the brothers to become very upset with him. They jumped him, beat him, left him for dead, and then sold him as, to slave traders, who then sold him as a slave to Egypt. To a government official. So this is a bad to worse. He was a slave. Then in jail, he was falsely accused and condemned to jail. Um, in jail, he served with integrity, um, but the situation did not go well. And so last week, that's what we looked at. We looked at suffering, and we saw this verse in particular uh, in Genesis 39. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. In total, it was 13 years of bad to worse circumstances. And eventually, Pharaoh had a dream, and he came to Joseph uh, for it to be interpreted. And Joseph responded with this, I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. And so Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dreams to mean that there would be seven years of great abundant harvest, and then seven years of great famine with no crop. And so Pharaoh made Joseph the second in command of all of Egypt. And Egypt was the world superpower of the time, in some respects like America today. And Joseph was in charge of collecting the surplus for those seven years. 
And he did his work with excellence. Genesis 41 says, The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and then the seven years of famine began. Just as Joseph has said, there was a famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. So remember now, Joseph's family, Jacob, his father, and his brother, his brothers and other family, were still in Canaan. And so we continue to see the story. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued, I've heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some food for us so that we may live and not die. Now Joseph was governor of the land and the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. And although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. And so for the sake of time, I'm going to skim over this part. There's There's a lot of back and forth. It's totally worth reading, but for time we must continue. Further on in the story, when they're at home, when Joseph came home, they, the brothers, presented to him gifts they had brought into his house. They bowed down before him to the ground. So Joseph's dreams that he had 13 years earlier were fulfilled. Not just slightly, completely. And Joseph's dream was even filled to this extent where his oldest brother Judah says, Judah speaking, we are now my Lord's slaves. So we just have to pause here for a moment. They look at this large picture overview that the dream given by God 13 years previous came true. Completely true. Not just kind of, completely true. The Lord revealed himself to Joseph in a dream, and it happened. It happened. God spoke, and it happened. And we see this in many other places. Genesis 1 is an example. God spoke, and the universe was created. Let there be light, and there was light. The word of God has great power. But we see it in other places here. In Isaiah 53, we see uh, Isaiah 53. It says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is Isaiah speaking 700 years before Jesus came to earth, prophesying that the Messiah, the Savior, the King would come. And there are hundreds of verses in the Old Testament that point to Jesus, that point to his death, life, and resurrection. And it's amazing to go through Scripture and see all of these things that they come true. But I don't, I don't want to just have it stop there. It gets more personal. Fifty days after the resurrection of Jesus, Paul uh, or Peter is saying this in Acts 2. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your men, your old men will dream dreams. So by the Holy Spirit, who is God, God's people will have dreams, visions, and prophesy. So be careful not to just keep what God did in the Bible in the Bible, in the past. Let it play out in you. 
No, it's, it's not necessarily new scripture, but God is still speaking to his people today. And I'd love to, if you, I would love to tell you the story of, of a dream and a vision that the Lord gave me about nine years ago. And we don't have time to get into it, but please ask me some other time. I would love to share that story with you. And finally, we see in Revelation 22, he, Jesus, who testifies of these things, says, yes, I am coming soon. Jesus is coming back. Prophecy, dreams, visions throughout Scripture says that Jesus Christ, the King, will return. And so just as Joseph's dreams came true, with 100% certainty, we can know that Jesus Christ will return. And so the story of, after that little caveat, the story of Joseph continues. In Genesis 45. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourself for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years, for two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Whew, hallelujah. So, two, two quick points here uh, before we get to the, the main point of this whole passage. First, as, as you place yourself as Joseph in the story, we are reminded that the suffering we go through has a purpose. That the suffering we go through has a purpose. Again, that, that has been the message the last few weeks, and so I encourage you to listen to, to Ben's messages again. They were fantastic, but I don't, I don't want to continue on that point. Secondly, we see Joseph do something very powerful here. He returns blessing for the insult given to him. After being beaten and sold into slavery by his brothers, bad to worse, he returns Forgiveness. He forgives his brothers and blesses them. Paul writes in Romans 12, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Jesus describes it in this way. You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who per persecute you. Returning blessing for insult. One, one amazing example of this in my life is a friend named Anna. She loves Jesus. She's an African-American woman. And I'm continually blown away by her, her faith lived out by returning hate, racism, and returning blessing for that insult. I'm, and it's definitely something that I look up to in her and many black or native believers that are living in our country. And it's something I need to keep learning. When someone hurts me, to respond back with love. 
And this is a great lesson. But it's definitely worth seeing its connection to the story. But it's not the main point of the story. The dangerous part of that lesson is you can hear me say, just be a better Christian. Just work harder to be better. You need to act this certain way to follow Jesus. It's about being a good or moral person. And these are horribly wrong takeaways. If what you get from me saying is be better, I had a a football coach that told me that one time. I really messed up. He's like, dang, you just need to be better. I was like, that's not helpful. (laughs) That is not helpful coaching. Uh, And and so I don't want you to walk away with that. I, I have failed you. But it's kind of, it's tempting to place yourself as Joseph in this story. He looks like the hero. In, in our self-centeredness and pride, we kind of all want to be the hero too. But the main point of this story is that we are not the hero. So let me keep reading the story of Joseph. Verse 7. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near to me, you and your children and grandchildren, your flocks and your herds and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. And here, Joseph recognizes through his suffering, others were saved from death. You and I are not Joseph here. You and I are the brothers. Desperate, hungry, and needy. And through Joseph's suffering comes his family's salvation. It's not look at how great Joseph is and be better like him. But we are the ones starving for life, bowing down to Jesus and needing his forgiveness. Joseph recaps this story in later in Genesis 50. He says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And so through Joseph's suffering, his family is saved. And this is the main point. Joseph is foreshadowing Jesus. The theological term is a type of Jesus, maybe a prototype or a a precursor or a pointer or foreshadowing. The whole story points us again to the person of Jesus Christ, the Savior. So let's look again at these verses in Isaiah. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We, all like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. 
and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. It was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. Remember, we are the brothers, deliberately sinning, chosen our own path apart from Christ. The suffering that we go through, it cannot save us. But our suffering can point us to Jesus. For the hardest and the worst suffering has already been done for you. Jesus has already suffered for my salvation and yours if you're willing to turn to him. Jesus endured suffering for his brothers, Christ for you and I. Just as it was prophesied 700 years previous. So let me read this portion of the crucifixion story in Mark. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. And again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. What do you, why do you need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit on him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists, and said, Prophesy! And the guards took him and beat him. Later, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, the people shouted in Mark 15, Come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults upon him. Jesus' suffering for you and me was physically excruciating. Jesus suffered humiliation, complete humiliation, his tormentors mocking him. Yet, my Savior and my King, he says in Luke 13, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Wow. Joseph forgiving his brothers after 13 years of unjust slavery points us to Jesus. The crucifixion story continues. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Elioi, Elioi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus suffered 13 years as a slave, sold by his family to save, to save his family, all by God's plan. But Jesus went through far worse, the greatest suffering. Jesus suffered physically, 
He suffered emotionally as all his friends abandoned him. Jesus suffered publicly as he was humiliated and mocked. Yet Jesus suffered the most when he was abandoned by God. Remember in Isaiah, it said it was the Lord's will to crush him. The punishment of my sin and all sin throughout all time was upon Jesus. God's just hatred for sin came out in wrath upon Jesus Christ. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is God's plan of salvation. And these these next few verses, I I can't not share with you. They're, they're, They're continually to amaze me. Jesus fulfilling again everything that was written about him and prophesied him. This one by King David a thousand years before Jesus came to earth. A thousand years prior to Jesus. Psalm 22. And this is what Jesus quotes on the cross. He says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults at me, shaking their heads. Psalm 22 continues, All who see me mock me. Uh, oh, they hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. How amazing. The intertwining of God's holy scripture. The word of God. From Joseph to David a thousand years before Jesus, to Isaiah 700 years before Jesus, all pointing, all foreshadowing towards Jesus Christ, the Savior. The end of Psalm 22 finishes with this. He has done it. It's a foreshadow to what is said in John 19.30. It is finished. So if we ask the question, Does God love you? Yes. Look at the plan that he made through Jesus' suffering comes mine and your salvation. It is finished. It's unconditional love. He's already completed it. He's done the suffering for us. And so we see in Romans 11. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. And if it were if it were based on works, grace would no longer be grace. He's saying the work is done. It's through Jesus' suffering that we have our salvation. Just as in Joseph. Salvation is by grace. There's no be better, work harder, try to fix the right little part of your life. It's through his suffering that comes our salvation. And I want to finish today with with this verse. 
First Peter. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to die. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. There it is. Jesus Christ suffered and died physically for you and me. And this is the main point of the Joseph story. Through Joseph's suffering came the salvation of his family. Through Jesus' suffering comes the salvation of his family, those who believe in him. And so I would encourage any of you, if this leaves you wanting more, go for it. Experience Jesus. Seek him and you will find. Respond to God's suffering for you. And move towards him. Please, go for it. Respond to that. Talk to someone. Pray with someone. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much. Your suffering has brought me, us, salvation. Lord, thank you so much for revealing the power of your word, how beautifully you've intertwined and predicted what was to come. Thank you, Lord, that you are continually pointing us to you, Jesus. Lord, help me and help us respond to what you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.